This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, guys, you know the drill. We get you your post-game show, sit down, we do PFF night with John Costco. Uh, we'll get you something out tomorrow from the mailbag, Pete Smith. Like I told you guys, this week, everything's going to be accelerated. It's going to come at you uh, lightning quick. Got, you know, six days worth of work that we normally you got it. Now we've got to get done in about three and a half days. So content, you're, if you're looking for it, and obviously judging by today's numbers, you guys are. You're going to get flooded with it, uh, you know, and it's fun. It's a fun week, you know, when you get the quick turnaround, get right back into it. So Jeff Lloyd and from PFF, John Costco, your local experts on the biggest stories, everything Cleveland Brown-wise for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. We're going to go over Brown's 1916 victory over the Buffalo Bills yesterday. John, first things first I want to get to, and I'll go to the offensive side of the ball here. Look, um, there was times where he came in afterthought because it was like, you know, oh, yeah, he is eventually going to come. Uh, we're going to get to see him. Before we get into the grade of it, the, Kareem Hunt, what I saw yesterday was a guy who really just missed playing. And it didn't seem like he gave a crap about, all right, yeah, whatever. You guys need a lead blocker? Whatever. I'll go it, and I'll go 100 miles after. Um, uh, I guess it was 11 touches, 74 yards. Um, it, it, you know, as, and we kind of joked about it, you know, like, are they going to be able to handle this because they have a problem right now handling playmakers? But it seemed they were okay in that aspect. But just watching this guy go out there and look, whatever his transgressions were, this, that, and the other thing, certainly brought some juice to this and brought some life. Like, yeah, I mean, like a guy who just enjoys the game and misplaying it. Yeah, that was a dude that looked like he really, really missed playing football because uh, he was flying around everywhere, every single play from the very first play. Like he, you know, he, you know, Chubb had that, that block, you know, he had that run or whatever, and he was juiced up and just like uh, on anything that he was doing, you know, he went to go congratulate him on just like on a run and everything. It was, it was, it was good to see, you know, and um it, I mean, really, he like he looked like on a, like he was moving at a different speed than everybody else because of how how well he was playing and just his you know maybe fresh legs, but you know I, he just really wanted to be back out there and um, you know outside of the the botched uh, pop pass that was on him, uh, like it pretty much was a, you know, it was a fantastic game from him. He would have been the highest graded guy in, uh, you know for for us if it wasn't for that play. And, um, I mean, it was just, it was really good to see. It really was. And he's a guy that obviously we know how good he was with Kansas city. And he's a guy I really loved coming out of Toledo. And obviously he's, he's kind of like shown in terms of on a field that he's definitely like worth it for that type of a player. Um, and you know, he showed it yesterday. Uh, yeah. And it almost had the point like where it would have been, Oh man, we need it. We need 11th guy on kickoff. Gotcha. I mean, like he just yeah. had that attitude about it and you, you don't, until you get to see a player basically, you know, under the, you know, covering them on a daily basis and look, it's been limited. You know, some of those things go missed until that, you know, you, you get to see him more and more. And I, I do like this because look, I mean, if Nick had a nice workload yesterday, you have an opportunity here. If you like the way the run game ran, you know, the run game worked and the way it set up everything else, you can go to it the following week. Um, and look, the pop pass, it's not like it's unfamiliar to him. Kansas city has been doing it for a while. Um, it was normally a Tyreek Hill thing, though. <laughs> he was usually the back watching it go down. Um, and that is a, that is a little bit difficult because it is everything's just got to be perfect to the timing. And, you know, it, it, the best part was of them trying it, to actually like it was a turnover. It's a timing thing. And this is a, a, a criticism 
you know, I have for the coaching staff is that like you're, you're relying on a timing play for a player that hasn't seen the field in, in a, a year, you know, it's, so it's a, it's a kind of a, you know, maybe at, at how many times do they practice it? Probably not enough because of the fact that he just hasn't been there. Uh, but uh, he did also look like he was going for a handoff and not a, a pop pass. So, you know, you, you rely on a timing play for a player that hasn't been there. Uh, it's similar to the Callaway thing where you put him out there for, a, you know, every single snap or whatever it was in the first half and realized, you know, after a four-game suspension, go, mm, this guy's in over his head. Let's bench him the rest of the game. Before, after By the time that time, the game was out of reach. So, um, you know, uh, I segued into criticizing the coaching staff based on, like, you know, one play that Kareem Hunt had. But, you know, I think it's uh, – regardless, I you know – putting that aside Kareem Hunt you know it was, it was great to see him you know playing like he did and um uh yeah I think the more the more he's going to be out there the better it's going to be for for the team involved and you mentioned Callaway um no grade to get to but um so 10 games this now it's 10 games so far this season four suspended by the league one now essentially suspended by his own team um apparently showed up you know, late John, if we're That's talking what I saw. you know player being yes Yes. Um, so we're getting almost to the point now where he's filled out the bingo card. We're calling bingo. Um, there's been failed weed tests. There's been showing up to camp too thick. There's been now a tardiness. Um, you want to throw in the, you know, the the time at, you know, Florida where it was, you know, I was too high to rape anybody or credit card deception or the accident or the, the you know, with this car where they decided not to tell anybody. Um we're talking about men of character here, John. Men of character here, John. We need men of character. And is this really what it took to get a guy like Rashard Higgins on the field? Is that, you know, Callaway just, ah, the line at Starbucks was late. Sorry, guys. I got here when I could. Uh, it's, I don't I don't get it. I don't, like, we've said it in the offseason um, last year. Everything is that, you know, Callaway, you know, Callaway has all this talent, but it doesn't really matter if you can't be – you can't show up on time. Can't do the right things. Don't don't show up. You know, do the work, uh, put in the film study, um, and try to get, you know, do all the things that you need to do to be a professional. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, look at, I've, I've I've said it before. I compared him like a Corey Coleman type. You know, Corey Coleman had all the talent in the world. Like that's undeniable. The dude was a freak athlete, but he didn't didn't work at it, and was frankly, and by, you know, accounts that I've heard inside the building, he was actually an idiot. Um, and it matters, you know, that, that type of stuff matters at the next level. You can get away with that in college. You can't get away with that in the NFL um, because it's such a timing and rhythm game. Um, and there, the, you have such few possessions in, in the NFL that you have to make every single one of them count and matter. And by you messing up the, your assignment or whatever is going to, it's, wrecks games it ruins games so um on top of all that his off off the field stuff i mean he's not worth it he really isn't so uh, like whatever i don't know what's going to happen in the next couple weeks or whatever but i his time is is coming to an end i think in cleveland and it's unfortunate that they kept putting him out there instead of richard higgins because higgins clearly is the better receiver regardless of the you know, the raw tools that Higgins does not have. Higgins has all the necessary tools and no good work ethic. He gets open, and that's what really matters. He gets open because he knows how to get open, and that's 
you have enough you have enough athleticism to get open you know how to use the the leverage of defensive backs against themselves uh when to break at the right times how to set them up to do that and he does that and you clearly saw it on the touchdown pass you you saw it in the first game of the year you saw it all last year he just knew knows how to get open so hopefully we see more of Higgins and we continue to see less and less of Callaway. Uh, you know, the route Higgins, you know, uh, you know, caught for the game winner and you see it right away. It's just so blatantly obvious. Baker reads him better than he reads any other receiver that he has. He knows exactly what Richard's doing. Literally like jumped and lunged into the throw. Like that's, it might've been the most confident ball Baker's thrown this year. And the thing with Callaway and I got a couple more things I'm going to get to here offensively is if he's not going to care about his talent, Maybe it's time that everybody else starts coddling him and stops caring about his talent. If he doesn't care about it, enough with it here already. Yeah, um, I agree. Wyatt Teller here, um, you know, John, obviously this is something we're looking for because this could pay dividends long-term if Wyatt Teller can find this. However, you know, I do believe, you know, he and Chris Hubbard, and I got to be honest, John, when you got eight, eight cracks at the goal line from, you know, the one-yard line, I mean, you certainly want to go right at Chris Hubbard's side. Um, how much of it was Hubbard? How much of it was Teller? Where were we on the Wyatt? We'll call it the Wyatt Teller experience. Well, so Teller is a good pass protector. So, like, he's just a big dude. It takes like it's going to take a while to get around him. You know, in, in in college, he was a really good run blocker, and obviously, you know, he was playing the ACC, and the ACC doesn't have the greatest defenses. And and you know, I mean, this thing is like as a true freshman at Virginia Tech he was still grading out really well as a run blocker, which I think, I think shows at least that uh, he got in there and, and could push people around. So um, can he develop as a run blocker? Yeah, uh, he definitely could. You know, he, he, the thing is like, I think what's most important in the, in today's NFL is being good in pass protection. And that's what he is. Like, you know, he's given up this, you know, he's played three games. Uh, well, started two games. He's played uh, snaps and in, in, in a third, but uh, you know he's given up three pressures, two hits in a hurry. Last year, when he had a, it was a starter in Buffalo, gave up two hits, six hurries uh, in seven games. So he's a he's a reliable guy in pass protection. His grades there are good, seventy two point seven this year, seventy eight point three last year. But like like we were saying in the, in the run game, he's bad. He's really bad, thirty six point six this year. That's really bad, and that's on fifty-seven pass block or run blocks. Can it get better? Obviously, maybe put him, utilize him in, in ways that he's more effective. Um, he's not a guy that, yeah, you don't want to run behind uh, very frequently right now. Um, so, uh, the whole goal line thing too. Like there was a time, there was one one play there where, um, a you want to spread if you're going to try to run it up the gut, spread him out at least a couple times. You know, you don't load the box and then try to run it into a loaded box. It rarely works. Um, also, there was a time where Baker's under center. He could have just snuck it at the one. That would have got him in there right away. The most effective play at the goal line is the goal line sneak. Quarterbacks are like almost like 90% effective at scoring on those plays, whereas the goal line fade is like the least effective play in football. You know, you complete about 30% of those passes and they attempted those and they didn't attempt a quarterback sneak. So yeah, we're, we're, we're Hubbard and Teller good on the goal line. No, but 
there was also a run play where Nick Chubb missed the hole. There was a yep. one of them. He was he should have cut inside. He cut outside. He missed it. It almost seemed tackled. like he got a little gassed, Nick Chubb. And it's understandable. I mean, you know, everybody thinks, oh, it's only one yard, but it's eight plays in a row. Uh, it almost looked like he was at the point like, all right, well, Jesus, God, all right, enough already. And and I don't like people will will talk about uh, on the eighth try you should have just been kicking a field goal. It's like it's still the better play to to go for it because at that point you're trying to chop down a tree. Well, I mean, you know, the the likelihood of scoring in that situation is still higher than than actually kicking the field goal. It's still higher, so it's still the right move. You just have to call the right plays and execute it. And they clearly didn't. And then they they clearly looked like they only had like four different plays they were cycling through, which is an issue. So you want to have a, at least much more plays than that and realize, Hey, spread them out to run it or condense them in to pass it. And they didn't, they didn't get that. And you only, and you're also giving Baker only one option on the passes that he did run for passes. So it's just bad, bad all around, bad execution, bad play calling, you know, well, and, and then Teller and, and Hubbard, none of them were good on the goal line. Nick missed on a block, you know, like I said, yeah. So, and even though with the thing and, and why it's so difficult to complete complete the complete the fades is because I'll take the freaking pi, you know, I'll take the pi, and you know, so if you're going to run it in, run it in, and, and it's that type of thing as well. I want to get to one specific play here, and this was the Landry reception that got him down inside the ten. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Jarvis caught the ball, was able to adjust, you know, Baker. How do you grade this for Baker? Because it looked like Baker took like the most difficult throw on the play. Kareem Hunt was on the right side, about one or two yards past the line of scrimmage, wide open. Odell was breaking towards the pylon on the other side on a post where he was wide open. Take us through that play. Yeah, so, I mean, that play is designed to go to Landry. And it's designed that Landry's going to look covered up for most of it until he it's it's basically they ran the wide leak with with Landry and you know instead of the tight end which is usually the, that's what the wide leak is so they they you know he runs the, the uh, like a fake cross and then goes up well you're never going to be looking at Hunt on that because he's always the decoy there and so when he steps back he's basically looking for Landry to get open Landry did get open sure he that guy was coming over but and it, Odell would be your, your second choice. If the blocking is better, then he would maybe move away from Landry, seeing how that, that defensive back was coming to him. But he threw it in the perfect spot away from the defender to make that play. Um, and then obviously Landry had had a great adjustment to it. So you, the, the progression was going to Landry, and based on how that pressure was getting to him pretty quickly, it was going to be a impossible to get it to Hunt and have been incredible if he would have been able to get it to OBJ there as well. So, like, that's how, I mean, like, when it comes to plays like that, it's basically designed and set up for one guy. And then if you can get it, if that guy's covered it and the blocking is good on top of it, you can maybe get it to a different guy, uh, which, you know, that, uh, in that situation, there was been would have been no chance for Baker to do that because of how the that pressure was getting to him. He got, what, clobbered by two guys. So um, Baker gets, you know, gets a big-time throw for there because he – he put it in the perfect spot, and then Landry also would get a, like a big time catch there. So, exactly. I mean, that was. I mean, it, it, in the end result, he dropped it into a bucket, and he probably yeah. went to the guy that you have the most confidence in right now. I mean, if we're not, you know, there's no beating around the bush. Jarvis is getting it done more than anybody right now. So, I mean, if if it's not going to work, you better go with the guy you feel most confident with. 
Um, but it just shows you there's more that can come to this offense. And this is kind of what Kareem brings over Nick, which is, you know, you feel good about here as, you know, you, you move on through here the second half. Uh, that's been the offensive side of the ball. We're going to get to the uh, defensive side of the ball here with John Costco from PFF as we do PFF Browns night here. Uh, I appreciate everybody uh, for listening along. Peloton is offering a limited time offer. Get $100 off accessories when you purchase the Peloton bike and get a great cardio workout at home for anybody interested. Sorry, guys. It ain't me. Go to one dot, uh, onepeloton.com and use the promo code LOCKED, all caps, L-O-C-K-E-D, to get started. We appreciate Peloton for the sponsorship here at the Locked On Podcast Network. As we get to the offensive side of the ball, I, I guess, John, let's go positive here. Um, everybody was kind of excited about the Sheldon Richardson, si- Richardson signing. You, you know what Sheldon could bring? They really haven't tapped into what else Sheldon can do. Um, and maybe we'll get to that when we get to the next guy here, where maybe Sheldon can play a little bit outside and maybe have better interior options. We can get to that. But Sheldon Richardson, this was basically his coming out party. This was his best day as a Brown. Looked really, really solid. And, you know, it wasn't a, it's not that he's not had his moments, but this is one where he kind of put it all together. Yeah, so um, when when the Browns signed Sheldon Richardson in the offseason, um, you know, Sam Monson, one of the you know, senior analysts for PFF, talked about how he's a great player, but, like, he often plays at, like, 80% of his capabilities. That's basically what he does. So, but the thing is, like, 80% of what Sheldon Richardson is is still a very good football player. And I think you've seen that this year, but then you have games like this where he it's basically – full full on 100% Sheldon Richardson which he is relentless and he gets a 91.8 grade uh overall run defense of 83.7 he's a, he's a you know doesn't miss a tackle gets three pressures in the game so that you know that's i think maybe this game is what maybe Browns fans are expecting him to be on a weekly basis but it's just it doesn't it's never been that way for for Sheldon Richardson it is what he's capable of if he can put it all together for one game um, but in the past three weeks, he's actually been pretty solid. Um, he had a three week stretch there from, you know, Baltimore game to the Seattle game where he wasn't very good at all. Um, and you know, I think if, if Richardson can continue to play like this, obviously it's a, it's a great thing. Um, moving him out to end is, you know, he is comfortable there. He's played there, especially when he was with New York, um, on several, you know, for, for large stretches of time there uh, because they didn't have any edge defenders there. So uh, he would be a much better than Chad Thomas out on the end. That's for sure. But um, the, the, the defensive line, I think is not the, the strength that the, you know, in terms of, in terms of like a, uh, it being like an world beaters, it's not that obviously you got miles is still playing fantastic. He was, he was unblockable in the first half that they started chipping him with, uh, and double teaming him in the second half, pretty much the entire second half, and so he didn't get the the pressure that he used he was getting in the first half. Um, and then obviously he didn't have Olivia Vernon, who's been very good this year. So uh, if you, Sheldon Richardson can step up uh, without uh, Olivia Vernon out there, um, obviously very good things for the Browns. But uh, he's he's not the Aaron Donalds or the Fletcher Coxes of this world. He's a step below that. Um, and but when he is at his best, he can be that. Um, you brought up a good point with Vernon because I think Vernon, 
he's he may be like the best compliment to Miles Garrett because Olivier is such a assignment driven guy and he doesn't mind taking it for the team and like he understands that aspect of it. But we're gonna go to part two here and look, Sheldon Richardson's got experience all over the defensive line. Um, you have guys who can kind of you know get some penetration to Devereaux Lawrence. So let's go to the Chad Thomas first start. And he, how any of all the defensive linemen in the NFL who can get lucky with maybe hands near a helmet, near a face mask, and it not get called, how the hell is Chad Thomas? I have no idea. Um, but other than his second sack, where the quarterback basically came and gave him a lap dance, which led to a sack, uh, Chad Thomas, John, um, we all know just from watching. The grade's not going to be good. No, uh, it was no. not good. Uh, it was a 47.7 overall. His run defense was awful at 39.5. and Which is supposed rushing. to be the calling card. Right. Um, like he's supposed to be able to stand up the edge or something like that, and that's why you don't have Jannard Avery here anymore. Um, so, yeah, but his, his tackling, he missed, he missed a tackle. Uh, so that was poor. Pass rush grade, even, you know, with a sack. Um, he also had an additional hurry on top of that, uh, still only a 56.2. Uh, so he was largely ineffective for pretty much the entire game. He kind of, you know, people look, oh, he has a sack in his first start. And it's that's why we, we do what we do is, you know, we, we're grading every single play, every you know, and looking at exactly how they win on their blocks and stuff like that. Miles Garrett didn't have a single sack in this game, but nobody would look at that tape and say, yeah, Chad Thomas was better because he had a sack in that game. Not a single soul because uh, Chad Thomas doesn't, you know, draw double and triple teams every single play. So, um, yeah, he's, he's again, has, was bad earlier in the year when he wasn't starting. And just because he had a starting role and got a sack doesn't mean he was good in this game. And he was he was bad. I'm just thinking, I, I believe there was actually a penalty call. I think somebody was holding Chad Thomas. Like, seriously, you really needed to hold. I, I, if it was, it may have been Thomas, could have been Richardson, but seriously, you're holding Chad Thomas. <laughs> There's no need for that. But maybe this is something where you can do a little different here. And, you know, look, Pittsburgh, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. And the talk is that maybe Connor's back this week. And look, if Chad's not doing it against the run, you know, maybe you bring in a Devereaux Lawrence and maybe you go Sheldon outside here to just go a little stronger in your run defense. It's something to attempt, um, and because you always think that if a guy's not ready to play on Sunday, John, he might not be ready to play on Thursday in Olivia Vernon's case, which is weird because it looks like Connor's going to trend that way. Hopefully, well, yeah, who knows what's going to happen with Olivia Vernon? I know that. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if you if you sit him on a on a Sunday, at least gives you an extra you know extra rest to be able to potentially play on that Thursday because they will definitely need Olivia Vernon for uh, against the Steelers. Um, because that Steelers offensive line is one of the best in the NFL. And I know that a lot of people have made fun of the Steelers over the year because, oh, they don't have Big Ben anymore. They're going to be awful and blah, blah, blah. And they started off at, what, 0-4 or whatever it was. Um, yeah, they, they looked bad. I don't know. They started 0-3, beat the, the Bungles, and then then they they lost to the Ravens. So they, they started 1-4. But um, that defense is very good. That offensive line is one of the best in the NFL. Um, and they're going to be they're going to be a handful, you know, I'm trying to miles is going to get his. But then you're looking at the rest of the defensive line that doesn't consistently get pressure on a, on a you know, on, you know, on a consistent basis. 
Um, and whereas Livy Vernon's able to do that, he's going to be able to draw some te- attention away from Miles Garrett. So if he's not able to go, it's going to be a long day for that at secondary to try to, to continue to lock down. Um, and then hopefully, yeah, like you said, if you can, I mean, Chad Thomas is out there as a liability thing is the thing is, is that like even Deborah Lawrence is not great. He's better than Chad Thomas, but like, he's not great. He doesn't consistently get good production in a run game or as a pass protector. I know that he can penetrate, but like he often loses his gap assignment on run plays. And that's obviously a liability, especially with a a team like the Steelers. Um, So they just got to be better up front. You know, Larry Ogunjobi is a a flash in a pan type guy. You know, I I don't know. He he has, like he said, like I said, he's a flash man. He has these flash plays where it's like, yes, he's awesome. He, He whipped this, you know, this offensive tackle or offensive guard in in half a second or whatever, but then he's gone and you don't see him for the next two quarters. And then also he gets pushed around in a run game because for whatever reason, as a nose tackle, he decided to lose weight a couple off seasons ago and he can't anchor against the run. Uh, So like I have reservations, big time reservations. If this, if Olivia Vernon can't come back, they're going to have problems in that interior um, because they definitely need, uh, all their horses in the, in the interior. And Chad Thomas is definitely not one of them. No, no, he's not. Um, John, now the secondary. Um, and again, here it is. It, it, it seems like it's a secondary by the week. Um, so now this week, you know, Jermaine White had been playing every snap. Not that we have an issue with it. TJ Carey became that nickel. Um, Demarius Randall. Oh, hey, nice to see you again here. Um, take us through the secondary this week. Um, and some of it, is Allen. Look, if Allen can plant fire to an open guy, that's um, that big man moving around, you know, trying to throw on the fly. didn't work out so well, but talk to us about the secondary flight here yesterday. Yeah. So there was, there was some good and bad in the secondary. Um, Greedy, Greedy had a little bit of a a rough, rough time of it, but he still wasn't bad. Uh, Denzel was, was awesome. He was all over the place in that game. He was targeted 10 times, only allowed three catches for 25 yards, had two pass breakups. Um, yeah, he did get targeted on that first play and, and committed a penalty. Uh, but you know, I'll take that, I guess, because he was the rest of the game. He was locked down. Um, Demarius Randall was, was excellent. His return, um, he was targeted four times, you know, he allowed two catches for just eight yards, had a pass breakup. Uh, his pass breakup broke up a touchdown because Josh Allen was late on throwing it to that corner. It was actually on the, the interesting that thing that happened is that Sione Takitaki, who who actually played really well in this game, was actually picked by the jam, um, you know, at the line of scrimmage, and basically Allen didn't see this guy running free for like five seconds, and then Demarius Randall came off, you know, from off assignment to see it and make that play. So really excellent play by him. Um, and then, you know, greedy, greedy, like I said, had that pass breakup, but yeah, like, like there was a lot of open throws for, for Josh Allen that he just missed because he's just inaccurate or he didn't see it in time, you know, like the fourth down play, they ran those four, they had two fourth down plays. One was he threw that slant to, uh, I think it was Robert Foster threw it behind him. Maybe yep. it was John Brown. I don't know who, but he missed them. Right. But he was open because greedy got turned around on it. Uh, on that same play, they had a they had a whip route from Cole Beasley in the slot, he, uh, who beat Denzel Ward. He was open too, didn't didn't hit either one of them. Then they ran the same play later in the game on a fourth and from empty 
uh, again, Josh Allen missed it. So like there was, <laughs> there were open guys and sometimes you get lucky that way. And that's where, but the thing is like, I think in this performance, like with, at least with Denzel Ward and like Marius Randall, like they, their grades were not like on the, because of luck, but they were actually in good coverage, especially Denzel Ward, who was in tight coverage pretty much the entire game. Uh, and that's what, that's a promising thing. And I think will be obviously beneficial for the game against the Steelers. If, if Denzel Ward can continue to be locked down because Mason Rudolph has, has not been playing well this year, as, despite like the, the rest of that team has been like really, really good this year. Mason Rudolph is not. And that's the reason why there's optimism for the Browns of beating the Steelers on, on Thursday. We'll get to a little bit more uh, Pittsburgh Steeler wise here. We've gone, um, through the offense, through the defense here with John Costco from PFF. Continue to roll along on here on Locked On Browns. Look, if you're like John, if you're like me, uh, you're married. Um, your wife does things. She works. She's got plenty of stuff going on. You got kids. You got to eat. Um, and it may become 6, 6.30, and oh, my God, we haven't even addressed dinner yet. And this is where DoorDash comes in. Um, go ahead. They have your favorite franchise restaurants. They have your favorite local restaurants. Uh, get some dinner brought into the house, enough to take care of everybody, ease everybody's schedules while you're going through homework and whatever nonsense, practices, everything else that comes along with being a family man. Use the promo code Locked On, all caps, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, Locked On. Get $5 off your first delivery of $15 or more. Um, it's, this is where things are trending. And look, yes, I mean, everybody likes a nice home-cooked meal, but um it's really hard to do when there's so much going on and balancing everybody's schedule DoorDash, check it out, whether it's Google, whether it is in the Apple app, download it. Like I said, $5 off your first order of $15 or more. When you use the promo code locked on, we appreciate DoorDash for the sponsorship here of locked on Browns. John, you kind of gave away the bag a bit here in that last segment. Um, but Mason Rudolph kind of is the key here, and you kind of saw it this week with Pittsburgh. Um, it was a tease. It was a know, tease. Look, I didn't give away the bag. It was a tease. Yes, a little bit of a tease. <laughs> um, but with this young wide receiver court, you know, Juju, whatever he's going through right now, has not been able to be the Juju that's we've seen for the first two years in the league. Um, Deontay Johnson. And what works maybe if he's got that little bit of a comfortability factor in James Washington. This is a guy he's got a ton of experience with. How are these young receivers starting to gel? And it just seems like Pittsburgh wide receiver plug in play as the years go on. Some guys leave, you know, Manuel Sanders years before, Antonio Brown. Guys move on. They bring in new players and kind of maybe miss a little bit of the beat, but not miss the big beat. Yeah. I mean, the Steelers are a well-coached team. Um, you know, they, they obviously draft well, um, develop well. Um, and know how to put it together a system and how to adapt when things go awry, you know? So like, uh, obviously they've had, you know, the killer bees for, for a number of years and they've adjusted to not having them pretty well. Um, Antonio Brown, I think, I think with like Juju, like Juju is a good player, but I don't think he was the, like this great, like, I mean, I think he was, he was getting drafted and like, so like fantasy purposes, but, he was getting drafted as a potential first rounder and second rounder in, in a lot of leagues. I think that was his average draft position. I never thought that was like worthy of that, mainly because he was no longer going to have Antonio Brown drawing double teams all game long. And like, like Antonio Brown legit had a double teams all game long 
um, because he's that good. Uh, now those double teams are going to Juju, and Juju's still a good player, like I said, but he isn't the he isn't the guy that's going to be able to beat consistently beat double teams like that. Um, so yeah, like with with Mason now, he's you know Mason Rudolph, he's he doesn't have that same type of chemistry. James Washington, you'd expect in Mason Rudolph to have that type of chemistry. It really actually kind of hasn't like manifested so much with him in recent weeks. It has, um, but he and he. he you know, you saw it in a game where he scored a touchdown, which was kind of questionable that if you actually got his knee down. Um, and then like Deontay Johnson, who who's a, obviously a rookie, um, still kind of figuring out his way, but he's he's a really good route runner. He knows how to get open as long as he just catches the ball when the ball is thrown to him. Um, but yeah, so like these guys, they're able to, like they have all these weapons. Uh, is if Mason Rudolph can get it to them, that's really kind of what's what would you know matter for, for this offense. Um, so far, he hasn't really done that. He's the 32nd graded quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He's not not been good from a clean pocket, not good from from under pressure. So that's where the you know the Browns don't actually need to get pressure on Mason Rudolph. They just need to be able to contain him and, and make things more difficult for him. Get his eyes off of the first read that he's trying to go to, and then be able to be locked down on the on the you know the, in the back end. So um, yeah, I mean like. They obviously have the, the wide receiver threats that can, can take the top off the defense. But uh, uh, really, though, it matters if, like we saw in this game, if like with Josh Allen, who couldn't hit the open guys down the field, if Mason Rudolph's not able to hit these guys downfield, it won't matter. But really, you obviously want to see the, the Denzel Wards and Greedy Williams, uh, yeah, Greedy Williams not locking it down. So, All right, let's flip it over to the other side here. Um I was a big Devin Bush guy. Um, there's been flashes. Uh, let's talk about Devin Bush. Let's get in a little bit of this Pittsburgh Steelers defense at this point. Yeah, this is an extremely good defense. It's not buoyed by Devin Bush, though. Everything else around him is being <laughs> is really good. Like Bush, like playing middle linebacker in the NFL is, is a hard thing to do. Um and especially in the Steelers system, like it's there's a lot of there's a lot that they they ask of their linebackers. Um, he's had some good games. He had a couple, you know, against Cincinnati and Baltimore, he had really good games. Uh, but then he's he's also been really bad, especially in coverage. He's not been great. And all across the board, it just comes out to like a below average play this so far this year. Anytime he's been targeted, he's given up four touchdowns. Uh, he does have two interceptions. I know one of them was. Uh, just off the top of my head was basically a tipped pass that f- fell into his lap. Um, but uh, he, when he's targeted, he gives up a pass rating of 104. Uh, so he's, he's, he's obviously a very talented player, but he's not good in the NFL yet. Uh, but he does have, because he has that talent, he's going, you know, he potentially can have a good game against the Browns, but the rest of the defense is playing phenomenally. If you want to segue right. into what are you most be? concerned about? Let's go to uh, <laughs> secondary here. Let's go. Uh, so the secondary is an interesting one. Minka Fitzpatrick is obviously he has all these, you know, people now today we're talking about him as like a potential defensive player of the year candidate. I don't think he's there yet, uh, but he does have five interceptions and two and three pass breakups. Um, so he, whenever he gets targeted, he's, he's making it work. A lot of his, Interception luck, though, is been has been luck. You know, he has a couple of fumble recoveries as well. And those fumble recoveries are, are largely luck. You happen to be in the right place at the right time. But even his interceptions t- tipped 
like his one in you know the the seal of the game was tipped to him by Joe Hayden. Joe Hayden made a play on the ball. Who Joe Hayden had a, an excellent game, and everybody you know for Browns fans knows about him. Um, he's not the the Joe Hayden of pat you know of the past, but as you can see in this past game, he can still lock it down and play a really good game. So uh, Fitzpatrick and Hayden are really good. Steven Nelson's a, is a solid player. He can play inside and play outside. He's not great, but he's solid. Uh, had a day against he, Baker last year. Right. You know, like, and that's the thing is like this, this defense really, really gave Baker fits last year. It had Baker had the worst game of his career, you know, of, of his season, actually of the career so far against the, the Steelers last year, it was bad. Um, and it, you know, kind of was saved by a, like a late touchdown to Rashard Higgins and get garbage time. So this is, this is a defense that at all, all three levels, you know, the linebackers are kind of the weak point. But like, still, they they're well coached, extremely well coached, and then the secondary and especially that 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 pass rush, that pass rush will get after uh, Baker, and it's going to be with this off these offensive tackles, uh, it's going to be rough to see. I just that's what I'm envisioning right now. Yeah, I mean, you're a little concerned about the JJ Watt matchup and Bud Dupree, a guy who've been kind of laughed at for the most part. This year, actually playing a little better, getting getting some activity, getting some production. Um, but I'm sorry, not JJ Watt, TJ Watt. I apologize. Um, there's only you know of the Watts playing on defensive side of the ball, TJ. And we've already seen this matchup. We saw TJ Watt, Chris Hubbard, week one of last year, and it didn't go well then. No, TJ Watt is is playing at an extremely high level. Um, I think he, he's probably I think he's the highest graded edge defender in the NFL right now is he that he's at a 91 yeah yeah he's at a 91 his pass rush grade of his 91.6 if he has one weak spot is that he has missed five tackles and his tackling grade is of a 37 uh but you know in, in our numbers he has 11 sacks 11 hits 25 hurries um he's just um he's a beast on off the edge and he's just getting better like he's just literally it looks like he's just getting literally better every single week which is scary um, and then you're going up against Chris Hubbard, who, you know, last year was okay and has taken a big step back this year. He's really bad this year, unfortunately. So, um, that's a scary matchup. And then Bud Dupree, like he's having a career year, but it's still not like great. Like he's good in run defense, which is at a 77.9. His pass rush is good at a 74.3, but it's not like he doesn't scare you. Like he's a guy that runs in a straight line really fast and can get around the edge, which is actually Greg Robinson's weak point. So maybe that, that does scare you. Um, and then up front, like Cameron Hayward is a, was an absolute stud. And the, I guess the good thing for the Browns is that, you know, Tracy Treader and, and Joel Batonio are two of the better uh, interior offensive linemen in the NFL. So they should be able to handle him decently. Well, Wyatt Teller, we'll see if he can handle him. I, I you know, in run run game, I think he's going to struggle. But I, Wyatt Teller's shown he's he's a good pass protector. I think he can hold his own against uh, you know Hayward and the interior there. So, but like the thing is, is that you're you're you got to be chipping T.J. Watt pretty much every single play to slow him down. And by chipping him, you want to chip him with tight ends and slot receivers on the line of scrimmage, not with backs, because you've seen it from with the Browns especially. But when you chip with a back, it makes your pass protection less effective. So, like, you you get beat on – like, the average off, offensive tackle in the NFL gets beat on about 11% of their snaps. 
if you chip with a running back, they get beat on 84, uh, sorry, 16% of their snaps. But if you chip with a, a slot guy or a tight end, they only win, you know, they only get beat on like eight, eight or 9% of their snaps. So it's much more effective to chip with those guys because it slows them down off their get off point. But if you chip with a back, you likely lose the leverage that the, the offensive tackle is trying to set up for. So if you can game plan it to chip those guys from the get go, uh, you might be able to give Baker an extra half second, which should be enough in the NFL to get to the ball to the open receiver. Uh, look, it's, you know, I mean, it, it's a tall task and everybody just thought because Big Ben wasn't going to be there. Uh, you had yourself a little bit of a cakewalk. Not so much the case here. Uh, we're going to start to put a bow on this in one here. Um, obviously, everything over at PFF, PFF Brown wise. Always appreciate John Costco first time at John Costco three. Uh, the show itself at Locked on Browns, all lowercase uh, follow back account. DMs are always open um, when things are going good. Um, a lot of people with DMs and stuff like that. I do my best to try and take care of you guys. I appreciate for the time you're going to give us. I try to give as much time back. Oh, Mr. Costco. One other thing. Just wanted to mention one, one other thing. You know, the Browns have faced pretty much what you can consider a murderer's row of defenses. Gauntlets, yep. Um, and I, I think it's been like some defenses are like underrated by like the, you know, most fans, the casual fans. So like per our rankings and our rankings of defenses, and we, it takes into account the grades, the game script, uh, it's opponent adjusted, all that stuff. It, like a lot of different factors go into it. It's not just like a, oh, you gave up X number of yards. Cause that doesn't really show how good of a defense it is. And also defenses, you know, if you create a lot of turnovers, a lot of them could be luck based. Uh, others though, like, you know, you could create your own turnovers and off of good play. So that's where our, our, our rankings come in. New England first, San Francisco second, Tennessee third, Jets fourth, Denver fifth, Rams sixth. Then you get into the breaks. Buffalo was 11th, Baltimore is 15th, Seattle 29th, but the Pittsburgh Steelers up next are seventh. And this is based on coming into this week. So Oof. Pittsburgh's performance against the Rams likely push, pushes them up to probably fifth or something like that. Murderer's row of defenses. So you, you finally get a break next week after the after the Thursday night game, but they've had no such luck so far. So anybody who's kind of questioning what's going on, John just kind of gave you a little bit of a inkling there. Me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. DMs are open over there. Um, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.